1: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson.
2: greeting carbon
1: Base Units. Alan Siler, Yo, Veronica Daschle. Hi. And joining us again this week, Vandy Beth Glenn. Hello. And welcome back to the
3: show. Thanks for having me back.
1: No problem. Let's move through uh, news and history real quick, then we'll get into our discussion topic.
3: Okay, Uh, super,
4: super quick. I've got uh, four news stories. Uh, The first one, Playmates has announced a new line of Star Trek toys. The first wave includes toys from three different eras. Uh, There's the original series and its accompanying movies, Next Generation, and Discovery. The first wave includes an 18-inch Enterprise with lights and sounds, a phaser with lights and sounds, Uh, A set that includes Kirk, Spock, and Khan from Star Trek II. Uh, Riker, Data, and Picard from season three of, well, it's the season three uniforms. Uh, So it's not like seasons one or two, but it could be at any point uh, beyond two. I'm rambling now. (laughs) And Burnham and Saru in their uh, first two season costumes, not the 32nd century costumes. It's very timey-wimey. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the style of these figures is very reminiscent of playmates nineties Trek line. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I never really collected. I I'm very familiar with them, but I didn't collect any of them. These are a little bit different size though. They're a little bit mm. bigger than the nineties line, which was, I think five and a half, no, four, were, five and a half inch. There were four and a half. Four. And a, that's really small. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh one 16 scale. And these so new these ones are, are five inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scale. Exactly. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that, and I know you are. Yes, Chuck. yeah. It's big news here because we're big into the Playmates toys and Star Trek toys
1: in general. And um I don't know we've talked about doing something maybe longer and more in depth on YouTube because that we'll take up the whole show talking about our feelings about the Playmates toys. But <laughs> looking forward to them, I'm excited. They're they're and they're right, heading in the right direction again. Um, they're they're sort of. They don't quite scale with the old Playmates toys. They're a little bigger. I think they're kind of um, splitting Mm -hmm. the difference between the larger collectibles that like the six inches people collect now and the old style. But uh, good news all around.
4: Yes, absolutely. And story number two, Star Trek Online is launching its new season to celebrate its 12th anniversary. And it features Kate Mulgrew as two different Janeways. That sounds familiar. (laughs) <laughs> the admiral from the Prime Universe and the partially Borgified Marshall Janeway from the Mirror Universe. Ooh. The game, yeah. The game will also feature Mary Wiseman as Captain Killy. I'm excited wow. about yeah. that. And Chase Masterson as Admiral Lita, Ooh. which wow. is an interesting development. Yeah. Uh, the new scenario carries the same, uh, car- sorry, carries the name Shadows Advance, mm. and includes a feature episode called Redshift. Shadows Advance follows the story from the perspective of Admiral Janeway from the Prime Universe, who was retelling the accounts of their actions. And a trailer for the game is available on YouTube, and it looks amazing.
0: I keep meaning to play Star Trek Online, and then I never do. I'm
4: glad. Oh, I've said for years that if I start... I will never leave my house or talk to my friends ever again because I will get completely sucked in. (laughs) We'll be short a person on this podcast if she starts playing
1: because she (laughs) she
4: gets sucked into things. Yes. But Janeway's everywhere. She's all over the place. Right. I mean, they got her in the studio and they're like, well, let's do this other thing too. And maybe another audio book and whatever you can record. We'll record it. Yeah.
2: I always wonder, you look at a character that starts out as someone such as uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Pike, and you wonder, gosh, what would have happened if he had stayed in the role of Kirk? And you look at all these w- Pike. castings, and yep, yep. What did I say? Kirk.
3: You said Kirk. Yeah, Pike,
2: thank you. And I wonder, okay, Alan, you always have to pronounce it for me. The lady who was originally tapped to play Janeway? Jean-
4: Jean-Vivre Boujolde.
2: <laughs> that's another one where you wonder, even if she had suffered through seven years of Voyager, would she come back and be so game to doing all these video games and cartoons and stuff like that. So it seems like you get the right person for the right
4: role sometimes. Yeah. yeah. yeah she mm-hmm. she didn't suffer through seven days. Of <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> much less seven years of shooting. <laughs> okay. Since our last recording, a new trailer for Picard season two has come out. And the big story is that we've now gotten our first new scenes with Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. which I am so excited about. Yes. But also interesting to me, we also see a painting in Picard's house of an alternate design of the Enterprise D or at least of a galaxy class ship. We assume it's Enterprise D and I've y'all have all seen the trailer. Yes. Mm Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that trailer is easily found on YouTube. So everyone should go look that up if they haven't seen it already. Yeah. It's really good. Finally, in space news, United Launch Alliance announced on Wednesday that the upcoming launch, which is happening later this year, no date yet, <laughs> of the Vulcan Centaur rocket will carry the ashes of Gene Roddenberry into space. There's a company uh, that called Space Memorial Provider, and the name of the company is Celestis. And they've bought payload space on the flight to carry uh, these ashes. One article says that uh, James Dewan's ashes are also part of this, and one of them. Another article hints that Major Barrett will also be traveling along with this. And the Celestis CEO uh, Charles Schaefer said, "Quote." We're fulfilling a promise I made to Major Barrett Roddenberry in 1997, that one day we would fly her and her husband together on a deep space memorial space light. Wow.
3: Awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I think they said there's 150 different bits of cargo for this, for the enterprise flight, including messages from Star Trek fans. And my understanding that it's going to be put in a permit heliocentric orbit somewhere around the sun. So it'll hmm. be circling the sun for, I guess forever until the sun expands and burns it up <laughs> or
4: until it's you know, or until it's orbit decays. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that's a, a nice thing to have for people who want to have that. But Franca do not waste your money on that. When I die, <laughs> <laughs> I, if, once I'm dead, I can wait until the sun expands. I will, I and I become put star Right. Stuff. enterprise model. No, just
0: and, ma- and put do, you on the shelf.
1: Do not do that. <laughs> nice. I wind up at goodwill.
2: At goodwill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be amazing.
2: Charles is going to happen. You're going to wake up in 300 years to find out Veronica put you in a cryogenic experiment. Yes. And your tube is inexplicably like 100 light years from Earth, and you're going to be waking up with some. <laughs> they're going to need me. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That wraps up the news for this week. All right, Keith. Yes, this week in Trek, this week. Yeah. I'll also go through quickly because this is a full week, but I'm going to do just a couple of highlights. But this week in Trek, on the 24th of January, 1944, one, David Friedman was born, which would make a good trivia question for some. Yeah, it would unless Alan and Charles know who that is. I don't. David Friedman
3: isn't he a Star Trek novelist?
2: Yeah, keep going. That's all I got. <laughs> no, I, I was. I mean,
1: I, the Friedman. I makes me think of Michael Jan Friedman, but he's not related to Michael Jan Friedman, is he?
2: Check this out. Birth name: Gerald. David Friedman oh (laughs) isn't that wild yeah aka David Gerald. wow I failed that (laughs) yeah and a couple of these I thought I should have saved this for trivia contest and of course uh this is just just a guy who's had so much involvement with Star Trek uh behind the uh the trouble with tribbles more tribbles more (laughs) trouble more trip more tribbles more troubles also contributed to the script for the Cloud Minders, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. For those who might remember, that was the episode from the original series with the the two races—one living under the ground in caves, and one I'm living in a in a cloud city. Um, he doesn't brag about contrib- that one. Now, well, here's <laughs> the other one that he also contributed to. I mud. Oh wow! Yeah, uh-huh. I can see why I talked about the tribbles so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. He just has, of course, a huge history. He was one of the he was one of the advisors for the TNG. There was several people who were brought in as experts and who were asked to help craft the TNG a story one thing I found that was interesting running into him I've run into this a million times is Gene Rottenberry's lawyer is it Larry Mayslish he was one of the reasons that Gerald left and he said that he just couldn't stand working with the guy and I'm running into that story a lot about that guy so I gotta Mm -hmm. do some deep research on him one day yeah, so uh, happy birthday to David Gerald. Another one I have to mention real quickly, also on January 24th, 1967. I was going to try to do a, an impersonation, but I can't because my voice can't get quite that deep. Bill um, <laughs> Admiral Friedman from Lower Decks. Anybody oh, wow. take a guess? Okay. Was he born
4: David take- Gerald, Admiral <laughs> That's what I was going <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the actor's
0: name, but I remember the character.
4: Also think uh,
2: John Jones from the Justice League cartoons. Yeah. Um, I, I can picture mm-hmm. his face and I can't think of his
3: name. Yeah. To- uh, uh, Tony Todd. No,
2: no. But good, good guess. Um, the name that you've seen a million times in a million cartoons, Phil Lamar.
3: Yeah. Oh, right. The voice right.
2: of everything. I mean, yeah. just look up his IMDb credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, whatever you need a really deep and solemn voice, he's there. He's, <laughs> he's just done everything. <laughs> so
3: I think he was also- Her- Hermes mm-hmm. in Futurama.
2: Oh, he may, well, have, I may, don't have been. Know. may have been. Yeah, he's, he's got one of those those long lists of people. One other I wanted to mention real quick, moving on, 25th of January, 1975. And again, I sure as heck can't do an impersonation of this one, but Mia Kirshner was
3: born. Mm.
2: Does that ring a bell? No.
3: Yeah, she was the character everyone hated on the L word.
2: Yeah, which I never really watched. I know
4: of Mia Kirshner also from Defiance. Exactly, Mm -hmm. I know who she is. Oh, okay. Amanda Grace, Amanda, exactly. That's right. The modern day Amanda.
2: Yeah, another great actress. She has an interesting role. I really loved her in Defiance. That's a story we've talked about before that I think a lot of us liked. Oh yeah, I love that show. Me too. It was just one of the best I'd ever seen.
3: That was a show that was also a video game. Yes, exactly.
2: That's the one. Okay, two more that I have to get in because really quickly, you know, I've said this so many times, I love going back to people who were born so far ago. This is a trip to me, January 27th, 1912. And when I think of somebody going back that far, I'm thinking like the airplane was just out. People didn't have electricity. The car was barely used. No television, no radio.
4: Very few people had the internet.
2: Yeah, exactly, (laughs) right? HBO
4: Max was a news service. (laughs)
2: yeah and this is a like marvel comics this is enough said mark daniels was born
4: oh wow yeah
2: one one of the most prolific one of the big three directors of the original star trek series (laughs) and i what i didn't know looking at this is mark daniels also directed the first 38 episodes of i love lucy
1: oh wow and of course
2: Yeah, yeah and, that's, and of course, Desi Lou was behind Star Trek and I Love Lucy and mm-hmm. Mission Impossible. The crossbreeding among all these things makes sense. But uh, Daniels also directed an episode of a series that y'all may be familiar with called The Lieutenant.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, we know that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I won't go into it, but Mark Daniels um, directed like, 14 episodes of the original series, some of the best ones. Uh, that Mark directed would be both uh, the ep- the first the episodes of the Menagerie, which won a Hugo Award, in the first one, the Man Trap, um, the Doomsday Machine, Who Mourns for Aeneas, and on and on. Just absolutely a great director. And
0: he- <laughs> Sorry, when you said Who Mourns for, and I my brain. Uh, we know mourn, what you were thinking because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were literally listening to that on watching that on TV the other night, and
2: yeah. yeah. And uh two more real quick and I'm just gonna throw it out here. Uh, January 27th, 1940. Um the second Zephyrin Cochran.
4: James Cromwell. James, James so, Cromwell. Uh, so yes. what you mean is stretch Cunningham on All in the Family. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: Well, you did take it back. <laughs> he can't he can't possibly mean that. Yes, yeah. He does. <laughs>
2: It's funny for me. James Cromwell's performance in the movie was just a little, well, it was different from the one I see it in the series. So I like him. I don't love it. I actually like him in this one episode. Um, it's, I think it's called the um, The hunted. It's the one where the guy escapes from a penal colony is basically tearing up the enterprise and Cromwell plays the governor of this planet. that is it's just really stiff. And having seen what he did in the movies, it's funny watching him in that episode. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But great, great actor. Also on 27th, January, 1958. The second board queen. I'm doing a lot of seconds today.
3: <laughs> Susanna, Susanna Thompson. Thompson.
2: That yep. is correct. Susanna Thompson, who played the second board queen, I think, to great effect um, in the series, primarily in Voyager. She was also in a, and it was funny at the time. A um, controversial show was considered controversial, Deep Space Nine, and this is the one where her current incarnation, Lenara's L- 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 Khan, came to the Apes face nine to meet Dax and they fell in love again because they had both been hosts. They had been married as different people, uh, different hosts back in the past. And we find a little bit more about the true culture because it was supposedly forbidden for you to have encounters with someone you'd had a relationship with in a past life as a host. Very mm-hmm. good show. Which it was controversial.
0: Hilarious mm-hmm. because later Ezri is all over the place. Thank yeah. you.
2: And for yeah. that matter, so is Jadzia, who come, goes from being Curzon to still yeah. hanging out with Cisco. So it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 th- that rule
1: only existed to create the the metaphor.
2: Yes yeah, of it they, being exactly. forbidden.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm, and yeah. that episode was controversial and i've got a story yes. about that but i'm not going to tell it right now i'll save that for another time
2: okay <laughs> yeah they, because there was a same-sex kiss i remember there was a warning issued back when it originally aired mm-hmm. they're like please be warned <laughs> yeah isn't that something and the last one 28th of january 1972 another one i can't do jillian Vog- vogman dr tana was wow. born this okay. day yeah cool and that is
1: this week in track history all right, then we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we get back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there.
2: Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse.
4: I would say that E3 maybe isn't the event that it once was, but everybody still plans their event around the E3 schedule. Steven Spielberg could throw out a gum commercial and we'd all watch it because it's Steven Spielberg.
0: Dragon Age 4 is carrying, I think, the future of Bioware on its shoulders.
4: That's the
2: Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. So, Vandy, tell us about how you first got into Star Trek. What are your earliest memories of watching any version of Star Trek, and what was that?
3: Uh, my first Star Trek was the original series, which Ooh. I did, which I did not see in first run. I, I, I saw it. Um, it's the sort of thing I, I watched uh, on staticky UHF TV stations in syndication when I got home from school on on afternoons. And so, it, you know, it was catch as catch can. You'd you'd watch uh-huh. whatever episode that happened to be airing, and uh-huh. uh, and I just ate it up because I've always loved I've always loved science fiction, um, even as even as a, a small child. Um, but uh, you know, that was before the home video, so I just watched the, watched the episodes as I could find them, and as a result. It wasn't until just a couple of years ago that there were two episodes I had still never seen of the original wow. series.
2: Wow. Wow. What were they?
3: Uh, Cat's Paw yep, was but definitely I was say you Cat's them. Paw
0: because the You, was you the could same go way. without seeing that. Sorry.
3: <laughs> 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 it was informative. <laughs> that's a of for. I like that's it. A of viewing for Veronica, right, Veronica? Yeah.
0: It is. It's my favorite.
3: <laughs> and and the the other one I think was for the world is hollow, but I have, and I have touched the sky. Yeah, the the one where McCoy got a a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> yeah, why? But, but um, having said that, there are also others that that were not very familiar to me when I, I I've been doing a, a chronological rewatch for the past several years, oh. and uh, when I got through. Uh, I forget the title, but it was the one where where there was a a, a a woman who couldn't speak, and she's the empath. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And did it, you like the empath? It was informative.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Same rating as Cat's paw it's,
3: it's actually it's actually
2: on my list of
3: least. I know
1: that's like one of the starch, first right things yes. we ever talked about when we were putting the podcast yes. together. It was that I like the empath, that Keith does not. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Keith yeah. wins this round. <laughs> I'll find someone else who likes it. <laughs> uh
3: but then of course, uh when The Next Generation came on the air, I was very excited because I had this this uh, childhood history with the series, with the original series, and then I-, I loved the next generation even more. And uh and then I just I kept watching I watched Deep Space Nine and I loved that even more. Nice. Um and then Voyager came. And And it became your favorite. I (laughs) waited (laughs) for something better.
2: (laughs) So not a fan of Voyager.
3: And then enterprise came of course. in the in the new, in the new millennium and, and I was still waiting.
4: (laughs) Oh, come on. I love enterprise. I'm with you there. Um,
3: But then um, now I'm, now we're in the current era of Star Trek, and I'm I'm very happy with the shows that we're getting.
4: Okay. So the, yeah.
2: So the newer shows you like better than Voyager and Enterprise?
3: I frankly think Voyager is. Uh, well, I I I don't even make much of a distinction between Voyager and Enterprise in my mind. Basically, I think everything that Brandon Braga put his uh, put his fingerprints on is not going to be very good Mm. (laughs) um i know there's a difference of opinion about that but that's just yeah that's just the way i feel and so i i I think i think voyager and enterprise are are both not great series and they're both not great in similar ways The Mm. uh poor character development uh not not so great continuity um Uh, contempt, outright contempt for actual science. <laughs>
4: As opposed- actual science is my enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: well, at least they didn't have red matter.
4: So. Yeah, Voyager Enterprise were my
1: least favorites for a long time. Lately, mm-hmm. I've been coming back around to Voyager over the past year or so, but um, not not really Enterprise yet. I,
3: I, I did just complete my own uh, in my chronological rewatch. I I just completed my watch slash rewatch of Voyager, and uh, there were there were some nice surprises. One one thing I, I I realized is that Tim Russ plays a really good Vulcan.
4: Oh yes, man, that's he's, true. He's the standout. Of yep. that cast, I think. Yeah.
3: And so it was, it was a, it was a delight to get to know that character. That's cool. If, if nothing else, <laughs> 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 if nothing else was delightful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's that. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite
0: mm-hmm. of the new Trek?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I really love Discovery. Um, I think it faltered at first in the first couple of seasons, but I think it has gotten stronger every season. And there are some characters that I really love. Like, I think, I think uh, Burnham is a really strong character. T- Tilly is terrific. Uh, well, I, I like, basically I like all, the, I like all the characters and of the, of the minor characters. I think Detmer is my favorite. And um, I, I keep hoping then to give her good episodes. I thought, um, I thought
1: you were going to say lines. <laughs>
3: end lines sure yeah yeah i agree um, i
1: agree with all that i especially mm-hmm. about discovery struggling and but yeah improving yeah. every year and i think it's 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 sort of itself now
4: yeah absolutely definitely i think
2: it's I, I think it's interesting and i think it's good that you actually don't like voyager just like charles likes uh, the empath and i don't yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> We sometimes talk about stuff that we eat when we we're kids, because I watched Star Trek since I was seven. And I remember watching that episode, The Savage Curtain, from the original series. It's mm-hmm. the one where they're fighting all the reincarnations of evil people in history. And I remember at the time that the incarnation of Sirach said something. I didn't. Like
3: Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> right.
2: Abraham Lincoln, right. And, and Genghis Khan, all this stuff. And I remember that the when I was a kid, I didn't understand this. But the incarnation of Sirach said to Kirk. We did not know Earthmen in my time. I am pleased to see there are differences. And as a kid, I don't know what that means. But again, of course, he was talking about it because you have different strengths and different weaknesses and you make something greater. So it's always great, I think, when you find people who don't like the same stuff we like, because I would struggle for talking about the empathy for an hour. But it's good knowing that Charles could. (laughs) <laughs> and Alan and I could talk about enterprise for days and Alan couldn't. So I mean I'm sorry, Charles couldn't. So <laughs> Oh, cool I could.
3: Oh, he <laughs> could. A lot of bleeps. <laughs>
4: <laughs> You will come around one day. Pro- yes. Probably so. Probably so. I mean, it's Star Trek. You can't resist. It.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 very true. Well, welcome back to the show, Vanny Beth. It's great to have
3: you back. Thanks for having me back.
1: Now, for our discussion topic this week, this was one that Keith brought to us. And it's one that he originally pitched as a question of the week, but we thought maybe it needed a little more time than that. And it was, how would you populate a Starfleet Academy series? And I wanted to go ahead and throw out a spoiler warning, just in case, for mm. Discovery Season 4 and the first season of Prodigy. Because there may be some relevant things that are going on in those shows that get brought into this conversation. So if you're sensitive about those spoilers, be aware of that. But Keith, I was going to throw it to you first since you brought it to us.
2: The reason I was thinking about that is one of my favorite episodes of TNG is The First Duty. And for those who may not remember, that's the episode where Wesley Crusher is now at the Academy after years of trying to get in. And there's an accident. And long story short, he and Tom, I mean, uh, Nick Lacarno <laughs> and <that> <laughs> yeah, I Tom I mean,
4: Paris. practically, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, pretty much.
2: Basically, there's a cover-up and a lie It turns out that the accident was caused by one of their teammates who was just a little, who wasn't ready for this moon, forbidden maneuver they did. And just looking at that, it made me think so much about what would a Starfleet Academy be like. Um, and then there's another episode that I really don't like. And help me with the name, guys. It's the one where, ironically, where Wesley meets, um, uh,
4: it's the one where Wesley goes to test the Academy, and he doesn't I, make it. What's that mm-hmm. one called? I love, okay. Um. I don't remember. It's it's the next to the last one in season one. Yeah. He meets Mordok. Or or no, not the meets- next to last. It was like toward the end of season one. Yeah. He
2: meets Mordok and he tests for the Academy. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much about the Academy that's fascinating, which is, I think, how do you populate an Academy, which is it only on earth and people from all these different planets and all these different atmospheres. And you must have people who breathe water. And then there's the whole thing about, yeah, I even think of it stuff like, okay, so many times in the original series, sometimes you see like they'll go to a planet and like, there was a horrible episode with Dr. Belaski she was telling one of her medical attendants how to make a splint, which I just didn't understand. And then you just I sometimes wonder when you're in Starfleet Academy, and it's on Earth, did they did they have a program where they like throw you on a desert planet for six months so you can learn a little bit about <laughs>
4: technology? You uh, know what?
1: Starfleet would probably trick you into thinking you've been on a desert planet for six months. Yes. And then at the <laughs> yes. end they're like, You've passed the test, Cadet. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: So I was just always curious to see how do you make what you want to be the best of the best? And how would you do that without it turning into a CW show? Oh, mm. sorry, Veronica. That was my plan. <laughs> oh no. A whole bunch of pretty people bed hopping. No, no.
1: <laughs> no, no. We'll go ahead with that, Veronica. Cause you, yeah why don't you? Are the one yeah, of us ahead. who are in CW show. Yeah. Probably.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean because that would pull in a completely different audience. And yeah, it would be a lot different from what Star Trek would be. But uh-huh. um, and this is not necessarily a good example because it was not on the CW, but uh the chilling adventures of Sabrina, that's kind of and in that it, it not like
3: slow.
0: not creepy and weird and quite as sexualized as that one was, um, but kind of in that vein where it's mm-hmm. it's a story and there's things going on, and there's creatures, but it's on the CW, so it there's That's also the a lot of superstars? relationships. Yeah, it's so yeah. good.
1: Yeah, it's in the same universe, I think, as Riverdale, which is on the CW. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. It was pitched to the CW before it landed on Netflix. Mm. It was originally s- going to be a spinoff of Riverdale. Yeah.
2: Uh, mm. I haven't seen that, but I was going to say that would definitely be different from a, a boring Star Trek show, because my mm. older brother called me one day, and he was all like going to read his Bible and get holy water after watching that Sabrina series. <laughs> yeah, I will say that it's easy to say
1: I wouldn't want Star Trek to be a, a teen drama, but it's also easy to say I wouldn't want Star Trek to be a Rick and Morty style adult animated comedy and I wouldn't want Star Trek to be a Nickelodeon cartoon yeah. for kids. But I think go. we've seen recently how I think our, our expectations were blown away when they, right. they started off in that direction and then took it you know, just made a real Star Trek. Right,
3: yeah. right.
0: So I, I don't have casting of any of the cadets because i i don't think um i forgot the character's name i remember the actor's name blue let's what's, what's uh
1: the blue character is adira? adira adira
0: yeah um i don't think they would go back to like the academy at this point they're too far along yeah but um i obviously tilly
4: your series is set 32nd century obviously yeah okay okay
3: yeah. Oh, so, about that.
0: yeah. So um it would be uh Tilly and and uh Kristen Bell would <laughs> be in there. Um okay, I should as, have like, seen that
4: coming. Person. I'm behind that.
0: I <laughs> knew you were like, she's gonna say Kristen Bell. <laughs> 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 and for for those of you that don't know why I love Kristen Bell, uh her Kind of big breakout thing was a series called Veronica Mars, and I'm Veronica mm-hmm. and I'm an Aries, therefore, Veronica Mars is my show.
1: <laughs>
0: ah, um, scientific like a little obsessed, with- <laughs> <laughs> a little obsessed, but uh, she would be such a fun addition to the Star Trek universe, and sure. then she would have a reason to come to Dragon Con. That's she's only... she's got
4: plenty of reason, okay. yeah. This- she could yeah, come I- to Dragon Con already, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she can come to Dragon Con all she wants. <laughs> Veronica, what, I don't know. What kind of character would you like
2: to see? Is there something uh academy you'd like to see, like a specific, I don't know, training or how they bring aliens in? Or
0: um, I, I would be interested to see how they would bring aliens in. And I'd like to see them do more on
4: shuttle crafts. <laughs> <laughs> how Sorry. they
0: integrate them in with the humans and um and see some more of the like original um the original the founders of the the federation and those types of aliens along with some new ones that we've never heard of um would be amazing um but also kind of centered around like school drama mm. maybe okay. they also solve mysteries,
3: <laughs>
2: mysteries. oh no <laughs> and I would have got away with it too <laughs> Now I'm seeing the Mystery Mobile or the Mystery shuttle or something <laughs>
3: yeah. wow. if it hadn't if it hadn't been for those meddling cadets <laughs>
4: exactly Yeah,
1: that's not a lot of Star Trek episodes do in that way too, so that that wouldn't be far yeah. out of line for
4: Star Trek. Mm. well, what about you, Vandy
3: Beth? Oh, I have a whole page of <laughs> suggest-
4: and she told me that she's confident that no one else is going to come up with the same things that she did. Oh, I see. that's okay. correct that is correct so i'm ready to um, hear this i'm excited uh,
3: okay so i have professors and i have students okay uh first of all the commandant of the starfleet i also set mine in the 32nd century because uh. because like veronica i understood the assignment um,
0: <laughs> chili obviously
3: uh Tilly, Tilly will be a professor mm-hmm. uh, uh played by Mary Wiseman of course yes. um but anyway the commandant of the starfleet academy is a Telerite, whose name is gah and he gets he gets uh he gets teased by the klingons at the academy <laughs> because his name is the same as the the <laughs> Klingon delicacy. Okay. That's um, good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's the commandant, and Ben and then one of uh, a first year cadet at the academy is Gach's daughter, uh, and she is worried that uh, people will think her father pulled strings to get her into the academy. So she has that those feelings of inadequacy, and she, so she works extra hard to to prove herself. Um, but this way, by having two Tellarites at the academy, it opens the door for for uh, for the franchise to give the Tellarite species the same sort of uh, multi season, multi episode saga that Klingons and Ferengi have already gotten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they're they're a founding member of the Federation, so I feel like that they're they're they are long overdue for getting that treatment. Quick question:
1: With yes. uh, this is being a Star Trek character and her father, do they get along?
3: No, of course not. <laughs>
1: okay, good. Well, the, first of all, they're Tellarites, <laughs> right? I just wanted to make sure.
3: Right. Uh, okay, and another of the professors is an unnamed Horta, okay. who is one of the daughters of the Horta that we met in the original series episode "Devil in the Dark." Hmm. Interesting. And she teaches uh, geology, xenobiology, and art history.
4: <laughs> okay. that's a great combination. Um, I was going to say geology just to be funny,
3: but and uh, I would never uh, thought of art history. <laughs> she um she can't walk or manipulate objects because of her shape, like humanoid species. So she uses prosthetics and other assistive technologies, uh, and so her story arcs will be metaphors for people who are disabled in in our own society, which okay. I think is is valuable. And she will be played by Ron Perlman in lots of rock makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: you could also have a theme where every now and then people will, people will see like a, a hole in the wall because she got frustrated and just burned <laughs> her way through. That's like true. The she doesn't have to exactly. make her own doors. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. And then another another first year cadet, we have a Vulcan who is one of six siblings. and uh, he And he and each of his siblings are all an equal number of years apart in age. Uh, and his name, and his name is Spoke. Um, and Spoke suffers from a rare Vulcan form of bipolar disorder, which means on some days he's as dispassionate as the next Vulcan, but on others he's pulling pranks and he's subject to fits of giggling. Um, and in one episode of the first season, his fa- the Spoke's family will kidnap him and send him to Camp Kolinar to try to try to, to purge him. Uh, and his fellow cadets will come on a rescue mission uh because they believe he's fine just the way he is. Uh like and that. my yeah. suggest my suggested actor for that is uh, a young uh young actor named Jake Choi, who was on a recent failed sitcom called Single Parents. Um but I like him I like him a lot and I think he'd be good at this. That's cool. Um Okay. And another of the professors is Lieutenant Aditya Sahil, who was Mm -hmm. the, the man who waited at that outpost for decades. Okay. Yeah. Yes. The the
4: flag bearer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Exactly.
3: I figure he deserves the reward of a, of a, a, you know, a position where he's not so lonely anymore. Um, and he teaches literature because I figure he had the opportunity to read pretty much everything while he was waiting waiting around for Starfleet to come back.
4: <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. And yes. I love that. Yes. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good.
3: Um and then we've got another cadet who was a member of the Genai, which was the genderless species encountered by the the Enterprise. Um yep. uh Soren, the character in that episode, decided to choose a gender. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but uh, this character is not a quitter and is committed (laughs) to living a genderless life. Okay. Um, And um, this character's name is Pat. And um, even though Pat is genderless, uh, they are not um, asexual or aromantic. So Mm. uh, their storylines will be about how they navigate, you know, uh, dating and basically having a social life while not having a gender, which okay. Um, and uh, uh, I thought maybe Demi Lovato, if they're not uh, if they're not already too big, they're a non-binary actor and singer. Um, yeah, who might be interested?
4: I'm disappointed that it's not played by Julia Sweeney.
3: <laughs> well, you're gonna have to live with that disappointment. <laughs> Uh, then I've got Tilly, of course, coming over from discovery and, and then finally the doctor,
2: the doctor, the doctor,
3: the EMH from yes, uh, he would still be around. He could still be played by Robert Picardo. Yes. Um, and I have several roles in my, in mind for him. He could be either the head of Academy health services. Uh, he could be an instructor who teaches health or field medicine, Or he could be the dean of the Starfleet Medical School, which I figure shares the same campus as Starfleet Academy. Um, And if he's the the head of health services, then his trademark scene will be... Uh, to uh, give sick cadets a Z-, a Z pack and send them on their way, no matter what their species or what their complaint is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, is this the original doctor that came back with Voyager, or the doctor's backup program that was woke up hundreds of years later and then headed off back to the Alpha Quadrant at the end? Uh,
3: I figure it's the original okay. doctor because there's no reason it wouldn't. There's sure, no mm-hmm. reason he couldn't have survived until Very the thirty-second century.
4: Right on. Okay,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I have an addition to mine.
4: Okay, <laughs> what you got?
0: And now I'm just blanking on her actual name. Um, Ra- Rachel Bloom.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: She needs to be a Klingon. And uh, there is now a musical theater department <laughs> for entertainment because you have to entertain your crewmates sometimes when you're out on long, long voyages. So she is a Klingon in charge of the musical theater department.
4: Okay.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starfleet right. officers do have to prepare for every
4: situation.
0: Yes. <laughs> you never know when the delegation is going to require you to do a song and dance.
4: Yeah. Ex- absolutely.
0: And then they can have musical episodes. So it'll be perfect.
4: Yeah. All right. Alan, did you want to follow Vanny <laughs> Beth? No. <laughs> I could never follow anything that she put forth other than to say that I do have a character called Gah. Do you really? No, Seriously, of course not. Okay. No. Of course. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: okay. I was going to say, wow, what so, a coincidence.
4: All right. So my show is going to be thematically based around the Harry Potter model, where the movies uh follow a group of students going through their student y lives and doing things, and then you know, extra special things happen to them. So uh my show is going to have a main cast of five uh students and the professors will be the sort of the secondary cast. Um my five students, I don't really have race and background for them, but uh, I'm going to structure my show basically the same way that a starship show is done. So one of the students will be a medical student, one a science major, one an engineering student. One guy is like really gunning for command. And the other one would, I'm not sure yet, either be a like a security trainee or maybe counseling or something. But it's going to be something that uh, these five characters will... Basically, resemble a starship crew in its very infancy. Mm. So, the first season, they're going to be all in their like general classes. So, they'll go to like the history of the Federation class and and things like that. Um, prime Directive studies, these kind of things. And then as the show progresses, they will each move into their uh, more specialized fields. The cast of recurring characters will include uh, some professors and also some other students around these kids. I think that one of my season one characters, uh, the student characters, is going to be... So these kids, just like on a starship, these kids sort of represent the, the ideal. They are the strongest candidates, except one of them is going to not be this, one of the strongest candidates and is basically going to kind of float with these other kids, you know, kind of hiding behind their successes and their strengths and their abilities. And he just kind of like, uh, you know, is moved along by them or with them to a point, there will come a point where he, he or she will not be able to keep up the facade. So that's my, Mm -hmm. that's sort of the way I've rounded out those characters. There will definitely be a Boothby type of character somebody who's not faculty, somebody who works on the campus that the kids can relate to and confide in and get advice from. My show is going to be set in the time of Picard because that way you have access to legacy characters who can come in as guest lecturers or adjuncts or, you know, anything along those lines. Um, The first season, uh, I think, Chuck, you mentioned a little while ago something that I've... uh, about how Starfleet will trick you into thinking you've been on a desert planet for six right. months in season one, there's going to be like with Harry Potter, the kids are all doing their classes and then something supernatural happens and they have to figure it out. So that's, what's going to happen to these kids. It's going to be something that they perceive to be a threat is something that they have to investigate and clues are laid. And they find out all this, th- like a, like a conspiracy kind of thing only at the end of the season to find out that it was a test. Mm. One of my favorite episodes that Keith mentioned a little while ago is the one where Wesley goes and does his sort of entrance exam to the Academy. And they set up all these little things, you know, like meeting the one guy with the web fingers and all that Mm -hmm. stuff to find out if you can figure out a way to interact with these people and to further your, you know, how you react to these kind of things. So I would definitely have that kind of thing. Second season something similar would happen and it would develop into a big thing, but it's not part of the curriculum. It's something that's actually happening and they have to figure out. And so at first, of course, they think, oh, this is just another test. It isn't. Um, and then, so basically it's going to focus on student life, going to classes, living in dorms, flirting, that kind of thing. But as it goes along, it will become just like Prodigy has more and more Star Trekky. Mm -hmm. They become more and more the Star Trek characters starting out as kind of like, you know, very green. They're kind of like, you know, the older kids. And, you know, I think even some of them may start one career path and change their mind. You know, second year, maybe somebody will get inspired to change their major. Mm. So happens all the time in real life. Exactly. 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 So that's my show. Wow. And if it were set in 32nd century, then it would, of course, have Tilly. And uh, some of the 32nd centuries could pop in, you know, like Admiral Silver Fox would certainly show up. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah. So but I'm thinking still of Picard era. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, the way
1: I looked at it is similar to the way you looked at it. Um, But instead of Harry Potter as the framework that you'd apply a sort of the Starfleet crew dynamic to, it was the Breakfast Club. So I was thinking, oh, I love it. Yeah, the Breakfast Club. But as the the different Starfleet, you know, you so you have sort of the Emilio Estevez as sort of the 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 young captain type character, and you have the Judd Nelson as sort of the security guy, but he's not because he's kind of the rebel. But you, you know, and. (laughs) And as the show goes along, now, of course, I'm I'm using the, the characters from The Breakfast Club who are all, as far as we know, cis, straight, white. But that would not be the case with my show. I'm just using them as the example. We want Star Trek to be more diverse than that. But um, something we've talked about on the show before is that you know when Picard was at the Academy, he was more of a hellion like Kirk. And when Kirk was at the Academy, he was a, a grim bookworm. So yes. I thought it'd be fun to play with the expectations there. And as you're we are watching the show and expecting the Emilio Estevez type character to become the Kirk or he's competing with the Judd Nelson character to become the Kirk. And then it's the. Um, Anthony, I just blanked on his name,
3: Anthony Michael Hall,
1: it's the Anthony Michael Hall character who eventually sort of emerges and, um, you know, as the characters grow and change. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the Emilio Esteve- Estevez character becomes more of a Card as the show goes on, and mm-hmm. you know the Anthony Michael Hall character becomes more of a Kirk. Because I think you could play a lot with folks' expectations. Because you go into the show mm-hmm. having an idea of these Star Trek archetypes already, and I think that there'd be a lot of fun things that you could do with that as the
4: show develops. Sure. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah,
3: and a, a transporter accident might merge all the characters into one. <laughs> they get too well. mixed
4: at the end. <laughs> yeah, perfect. The breakfast too, Vix. Right.
1: <laughs> then I think that you can have a lot of fun at Starfleet Academy because you something that's like they've done with Lower Decks where things that happened on Star Trek shows, and it was like this crazy one-off, but then it'll happen on another Star Trek show as well. And it's like, well, we're only following so many crews. And you find out these sort of things are commonplace. You know, mm-hmm, Boymler mm-hmm. gets transporter duplicated. And they're like, oh, you got duplicated. That happens. <laughs> you know, yeah. like these sort of things right. are the things that happen. Or, you know, you have that episode where... um you know, they were, they were dying of old age and they used the transporter to de-age them with their DNA. And I would love to see cadets trying all these kind of things. And maybe they, they grabbed the wrong person's hair on the, you know, and, and the, their DNA got, you know what I mean? You could do a lot of fun things, with Right. the fact that these things happen in Star Trek and these kids are smart and learning and eager, but not experienced. And, um, you know, lab experiments get loose and yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure they would have to date at some point. And I don't really care about that. I want to mm-hmm. see them being chased by like lab experiment monsters down the yeah. hallway. Right. If I'm being honest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I never even thought about 32nd century. So I'm still thinking in the Picard era. And one thing that I thought about was um I remember I mentioned that I read and I think it was in. Gosh, I want to say it was a novelization of um uh, The Search for Spock. I think it's where I read it. But one of the things they talked about was that uh, Kirk was part of a class of people who were chosen for ostensibly not being. But basically it was when they were joining the Academy, there was all these things where you wanted the best of the best, the people who did best on tests, the people who you thought were, quote unquote, the smartest, the most model officers. And what happened for a long period of time is Starfleet was losing a lot of ships and they were losing a lot of officers. And it was said that Kirk was part of a class that was chosen, even though Kirk was a genius. He was part of a class that was chosen not to be so much actually book smart and not so much like a perfect officer as somebody who was tough and somebody who could survive in what they thought was the real world. And that's been dealt with a couple of times. Uh, Star Trek Beyond tried to deal with, not Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek Into Darkness tried to deal with it. And there was that whole debate about is, Star, is the Starfleet and the Federation, is it a peacekeeping armada? Or is it an organization that has to be ready to fight and pretend and protect the Federation? So I would like to see as a Starfleet Academy where that debate's coming up again, because in the time of Picard, you've had the board. Jane Wei has spent seven years in another part of the galaxy, and there's all kinds of dangers coming. They don't know about the erosion. They don't know a species 8472 will ever turn on them again. Um, they have um, the Maquis and some of the things that they've done. They just fought the Dominion War. So I'd like to see a Starfleet Academy where there's really at the core of it, the people running it are having basically a debate, which is what's the direction of Starfleet? What's the direction mm-hmm. of the Federation? And uh, Vandy, I've mentioned this before for people. Chicote is a character that I think was I, never- I'm familiar. Yeah, i familiar. <laughs> yeah. Chicote is a character I think is so much better on the page than in execution. Um, every now and then, I've seen Robert Beltran give some performances where he's actually kind of intimidating. And then every now and then I go, yeah, that's the guy who led a Maquis ship, who killed people, who did really rough things. But then most of the time, he's kind of Janeway's yes man. Right. I'd like to see Chakotay, once he gets back to Earth, be one of the members of the Academy shaping the future. And because he was a Maquis and because he was out there for seven years, sometimes the other people and the fact that he was a traitor – um, some of the other people don't like him and they think he's too rough. And I'd like to see them, somebody like Chicote doing things, like I said, where maybe you bring, intentionally, you bring cadets from the most advanced planets like Vulcan and like Tellar and like Earth. And they think they're going to go to the Academy in San Francisco. And you actually send them to an adjunct facility on like some primitive planet. And they have to learn to live with much less technology. They have to learn to live in much less sophisticated things because there is this thought that Starfleet has basically gotten a little soft. Mm. Um, mm. They've got to be tougher. They've got to deal with things. You can't rely on your technology all the time. And so I would like this to see the show where you get, as I think um, um, Alan was saying, you get the best of the best. And then the best of the best come in thinking they're pretty much going to go to Nova Squadron or Alpha Squadron. But instead, they get sent to backwater planets and backwater um, missions. And the point is, start, start, the Academy is trying to form a new generation of officers that'll be tough and have the grit and have that almost cowboy mentality that Kirk and them are talked about sometimes. And I think that's where the conflict would come from, because some of these cadets would say, this is not the Starfleet I signed up for. And I sure as heck didn't sign up to have to go out here and build a fire by my hands. I wanted to be in San Francisco. And then there's a whole thing about, yeah, but we need to prepare you for the real dangers out there. Yeah. And I'd like to see yeah. something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would. I would watch every mm-hmm. one of these shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. <laughs> yeah, we should hey,
0: build
1: a whole
2: network on all these. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who could do
0: animation?
4: Uh, I've got a whole bunch of books from the kid, the little flip things, in the
0: corner
2: <laughs>
4: and, <laughs> and of course, one would have to be a puppet show. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah.
4: yes. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've just thought of a new wrinkle for mine being set in the Picard era means that some of the characters from Lower Decks can appear. So maybe Mariner comes in as a guest lecturer at some point, but she remains animated in the style from Lower <laughs> Decks in a live action show. She could. She could. But I would love to see her play that in live action as well. Yes. True. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But I think it'd
1: just
3: still be funny to have them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would just animate it. as long as she's an
1: ensign.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> C- correct. Yeah. Right. I think I think a great thing about Lower Decks, and I hope they do something with it one day, is the fact that the the the, the all the animated the four main animated character characters are obviously based on their looks are obviously based on the char- the yep. actors who play them. Yep. So like pretty much the entire uh, cast. You, I would love to see like a short a short track or something where where it's live action, but it's all those. Actors as their characters from the from lower decks.
1: Yeah. or even just when they finally get to their final episode, just do a live yeah. action episode, which absolutely would be fantastic. Because mm-hmm. it can't yeah, be a coincidence that I mean, almost every character on the show looks like their character, yep, which mm-hmm. is not often the case mm-hmm. in cartoons.
0: No,
3: no,
1: all right. Well, I think those are good suggestions. I think I hope hopefully Alex Kurtzman listens to this podcast because I think
4: we've pretty much given him all of his options
3: for,
1: <laughs> for a Starfleet <laughs> Academy series.
4: When does it debut? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm ready for it. I I, I don't know.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping up with the real debuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truth. truth. All right, <laughs> we'll let's take a quick break from what a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then we'll be right back.
2: Of the myriad pop culture podcasts, there is one that blends in with them all flying under the radar, nagging at you at a subconscious
4: level. Nerd Bliss, where four hosts from the Deep South and anyone they can get to appear for store-brand coffee and corn nuts talk about science fiction, pop culture, current affairs, and more. You can find us at nerdblisspodcast.com
2: or on the ESO network. Nerd Bliss, it's one word.
1: All right, so spoilers again, if you <laughs> for Pro, Star Trek: Prodigy, uh, episode nine of the first season, "A Moral Star," aired, aired this week, and um, had some had some twists and turns to it. I I was really excited to see everybody in uniforms. Yes, for the first time.
3: I like that. I like the uniforms. They look yeah. they look like cadets' uniforms, but yeah. they also yeah. look like Starfleet uniforms. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, yeah. and that's totally. kind of why I gave the just in case the prodigy spoiler warning going into the the Starfleet Academy series, because it looks like we may be getting a Starfleet Academy series developing on the protostar. I mean, you've got (laughs) the the, the kids now wearing basically what seems like cadet outfits. And then Janeway, when she first introduced herself was a training hologram, I wonder if Janeway has the capability of just being a mobile Starfleet Academy for these kids.
0: That'd be interesting. It's very
1: possible.
3: This looks like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's headed in that direction and it's, it's, I love how and I've, I've I say this every week now, so it gets boring, but it, it just becomes Star Trek year every week, and I know they're doing it on purpose. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun, and I like seeing them you know becoming a crew, and this week they you know had to make the hard decision to go back to Tars Lamora and basically give up their ship. They had a plan, but you know
4: they're they're risking their ship to to save these people. But the plan was what was great about it. First of all, I mean, it was one of the elements that was great about it. First of all, they did decide to go back. And that's a huge step for Mm -hmm. this little pack of renegades who were just trying to get away from the thing that they have been a captive to their entire lives, basically. But they also went in with a plan. They didn't just go in and say, well, this is something we have to do and we have to help, you know, do whatever's going to help those people. But they came in with a plan mm-hmm. to, even if the plan didn't work, at least they went in knowing we have this plan that we're going to go in with. And, you know, we have a chance mm-hmm. and that brings them together as a crew.
1: Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm.
4: And that rang true for me, too, because while they're they're not
1: experienced. With Starfleet matters, but these right. kids have been living basically on their own in harsh conditions for their, their entire lives. You yeah. know, these kids are survivors.
3: Right. Yeah. They're resourceful.
4: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Which is what their the the um Keith's plan for Starfleet Academy was trying to do. Get resourceful <laughs> yeah. cadets. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> Recruit at Tars Lamora, Keith. <laughs> awesome. Well, Vandy Beth, we we talked to you about uh, Prodigy uh, way earlier on in the season. How how have you been enjoying it so far since then?
3: Oh, I love it. I, I think it. I, I think you said it gets start Star, star Trek here every episode. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I, I do think it it gets better every episode. Okay, um, and I I really enjoyed this episode when I uh, when I finally got to it. I mean, I I. Went to Paramount Plus, and I mm-hmm. at first i got a I got a trailer for Big Nate instead, and so I went <laughs> and watched an episode of Big Nate first. So that was that whole thing. But, so
4: at least that worked. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, I I mean the, the the choice that they make, I I love it because it's presented as we we can do this thing or this thing, and nothing else. Those are our only two options, and they're both right. bad options. And it, it reminded me of of the best episodes of Battlestar Galactica where mm. uh where the characters uh where the characters were always called on to make horrible, horrible choices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um and and we got that here and and that, that just makes for such good fiction. Mm-hmm. And and it it made this story just just so great.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I loved that that they recognized this is our Kobayashi Maru. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things I like with um, with Dahl, it was really interesting that Dahl pretty much said from day one, I'm, I'm the captain. He just kind of took the seat and said, I'm the captain. And every now and then you see the people, Yeah, you know, a couple of the early episodes, the people were looking at him with almost humor. like, OK, you think you are. And then in a lot of ways, Gwen was quicker on the uptake to respond to it. And when they had the scene where Jenko Ken was the one who said, basically, this is a horrible idea, but let's go for it. And then Dahl just walked out of the room. At first, I thought, oh, I hope they're not going to do that to him again. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that he has matured because he was thinking like a captain, where he said, mm-hmm. if it was me, I'd go back in heartbreak because he, he was saying heartbeat because he was saying how hard it was to get away from there. But I love the fact that he said, if it was just me, I'd go back in a heartbeat. But yeah. what he was saying was, I'm afraid of sacrificing my crew for this mission. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. captain. And yeah, I love it. Absolutely. That. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that so many times going back to Kirk, you know, he goes into his quarters he goes somewhere and he think about it. And I I love that, that Gwen talked to him and basically said, we're all in this together. So I I love that. um, He is showing the seeds of being a captain, especially for people who just took a ship. Something else I like was very interesting when the thing started, they were all there. Several of them were about, well, we don't know about this Federation. We don't trust this Federation. And I thought it was really interesting now that they were kind of like, Hey, let's go to the Federation for help. I love mm-hmm. that that their their, their attitudes of kind of sort of change. But they make a very good point. Well, we got this proto protostar engine. We, if we can get to the Federation, but how long would it take any help to get back? And that yeah. that tough decision they had to make. Yeah. Uh, and it is okay. Did I miss this? Is this the first time that they showed that dolls? What I thought was his braid
4: or whatever is prehensile. <laughs> no, like yeah, prehensile. Th- yes, I, I hadn't noticed that before, so oh, I was I surprised that. to see it holding tools. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Gwen was surprised too. <laughs> yeah.
3: She
4: kind of goes, no, I, I, "Oh." I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. If it weren't a kids' show. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes.
3: I won't. Fi- I won't finish that thought.
4: That's good because the edit hammer would be coming down.
2: <laughs> one thing they did I thought was interesting is I've always had in my notes I like Murph, but I was always wondering what was Murph going to kind of contribute. Yeah, and I, exactly. And then and I was like, and I was always like, you know, what's going to come out it? You know, i going to. It's one of those things with a show like this when you've seen so much, like, oh, Murph's going to be a long lost prince, or Murph's going to talk one day, or something weird's going to happen. And then when they use Murph to, with the, to cover up the protostar, I thought, wow, and he's still just doing it he's just chilling out i thought that was fantastic i they saw a theory
1: i saw a theory online that the entire protostar crew got two vixed into murph and that, <laughs> oh my gosh and, that, and that oh. all of Janeway will have to separate them and kill murph <laughs> oh no she'll do it she will she, will. she, will. <laughs> she has a track record <laughs> uh yeah i thought their plan was was cute i i um I mean, I'm liking the Diviner too as a bad guy. I, he, he'll have moments where you think maybe he's about to be sympathetic, and then no, he, he doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. just continues being yeah. evil. But he kind of he kind of has a Goldie Cot thing going on, where yeah, yeah, I, th- mm. I think they could potentially develop him further. I, I'm ready though to find out what the flipping secrets are. Me too. I, I hate with the. I will tell you. No, I won't. Like God
2: bless. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And he obviously has a deep knowledge and hatred of the Federation and right. Starfleet and the Federation. So now he's what happened at the Federation? Is it something almost akin to Picard and Picard's anger with Starfleet where they didn't save the Romulans? Mm. Um, that, that somehow the Federation in his mind abandoned his people? And that's why he hates them so much? Or not save his people? I There's think something the star came
1: back in time and did something 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 related to that happened to his people Mm. failed to say i don't think they destroyed them but maybe failed to save them or who knows Mm. but the protostars tied into the history
4: of his people i'm sure Oh, definitely because he says this ship is our salvation yeah what he means by that no idea but so there is some tie to that yeah
3: i think star i think starfleet shot his dog (laughs) <laughs>
4: that, that could, be, that could <laughs> be. If that's the case, then I hate the, Starfleet too. <laughs> then you got a John Wick situation.
2: Charles, it's funny you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Shot my dog. <laughs> Charles, it's funny you said that because in my notes, I had the same thing, which was I kind of want this storyline to be ended after the first season. um mm-hmm. I don't want to go a whole nother season wondering what's the diviner secret and stuff like that. I kind of yeah. like to start yeah. understanding. Same. Well, yeah. just on.
4: remember the first season is still 11 more episodes yeah so they got time No,
2: that's good that's i mean yeah
1: if, if there's a six-month break between them it really doesn't matter much to me if they call it season one or the second half of season two i, but know. I <laughs> think I know. these writers they they seem to be pretty savvy so i think that we'll yeah. get some answers next week and there'll be a turn in the storyline.
0: i think we'll get mm-hmm. some answers next week yeah well
4: they're not gonna yeah they're gonna give you everything well, but they'll give you something then okay. don't forget my prediction the end of next week episode 10 the first half of the season is over and that's when chakotay shows up I would love to see it Charlie.
2: Might it might
1: be might, might, you be. might be I my, my hope that. now that we've seen them in uniform. My hope is that, you know, they'll Janeway will officially make them cadets and they'll start having Starfleet Academy training. It'll just be regular, like yeah. cadets, but on the move. And then at some point, Jakote will show up and being a Starfleet captain, yeah. it'll wind yeah. up like a, a, a valiant thing. Well, he'll give them field commissions right. and along the way, we'll follow them from becoming just teens to cadets to Starfleet officers And then by the time they finally arrive at the end of the show back at the Federation, they will be just a Starfleet crew. I agree. Mm -hmm. That's that's very likely, I think. That's my hope. I'd like to see that as well. I don't
3: don't know. I think they're going to keep Dahl as their captain.
1: Yeah, I don't think Trudeau would be there forever. But I think he may pop in for a series of episodes and give them field promotions and then Mm -hmm. something will happen. Yeah. Fall in a wormhole or something.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I think th- I think that I I felt the same way, which is that it, it, wrap up this mystery and this this storyline and then move on to other adventures. I, I think that'll yeah. work a lot more. So yeah. I'm looking forward. I thought the um the episode ended really weirdly abruptly. Yes.
0: to me.
4: Yeah. yeah it, it just was. stopped. It literally just stopped. Yeah. It wasn't even. I mean, it was intended to be a cliffhanger, obviously, but yeah. it really wasn't even a cliffhanger. Yeah. It just sort of like stopped happening. Yeah. yeah there, there was no
1: that. dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> I, I right. thought maybe they had originally planned because the first episode with well, the first two two-parter, are played as, a, mm-hmm. as an hour. So I thought maybe they had originally planned this that way as well, because it, se- it didn't yeah. seem like they had planned for it to just.
4: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I didn't even realize the episode had ended until I was mm-hmm. found myself watching SpongeBob. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and there's no <laughs> and there's no trailer for the next week. They like there was no deciding conclusion or anything like that. It just no. it just no, it. no. They,
1: don't, they don't do that anymore. They may drop it no, later no. on on YouTube or
4: something. Exactly. But
2: I miss that. I
1: miss it next me time or
4: Deep Space yes. Nine. Yes, yeah. Me too. yeah I
2: yeah. absolutely missed that. Yeah. But I thought it was it was a better episode than I was expecting. I didn't know what to expect because I don't watch any trailers. If there are any, I don't read there anything aren't. about the shows. Okay, so I just I go in completely blind. I don't even know the episode title
4: until I just turn it on, and it was yeah. Because you always skip intro, I know, right? I do. Even
3: though How I, you
0: skip intro, it, I, I sometimes on Star Trek, any Star Trek,
3: <laughs> I skip it. I skip intro.
1: I never oh. intro. Oh. the only info I, I, intro I skip is Orange is the New Black because of the close up faces. Oh Too much yeah, for me. skip that one. Too <laughs> close to the faces.
0: <laughs> the, I can't deal I can't with the faces.
3: Oh, Janeway was on that, too. Talking that's about Janeway right. being everywhere. That's, that's very true. That's right. Very never. true.
2: It was a very good episode. And I think, as y'all are saying, you can see the it's always funny when you look at a show and it's grown. I, I never know how long the writers and the creators have been working on the show. Like, You know, they do all this in six months or whatever. But you see the growth and the, you see the growth in the writing and you see the growth in the characters. And so I do like that because it's a better show now than when it debuted, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they're, oh, yeah. We're, we're,
1: well we're seeing that. more of their plan, you know, yeah. right? The show yeah. wasn't fully formed in episode one. It's, it it, it right. grows as it
4: goes along. And I think they're, they're doing a really good job. I've been really impressed mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. I just want to say it's very strange. Almost ironic if you listen to Alanis Morissette and her definition of it. But I think it's I think it was interesting that the the same week that we got the, the, the trailer for the new Star Trek online thing where Mulgrew is playing two different Janeways, mm-hmm. one good and one evil, essentially evil, that we get the same thing in this week's episode of Prodigy, where she is the regular old Janeway. And then at the end of the episode, she becomes like the, you know, like dark Janeway. Yeah.
1: So they're going to battle Janeway. in a white she void.
0: She just got Her face got paler and everything. So
4: <laughs> right. Exactly. I
0: was like, what?
1: Exactly. Well, she looks, she has the sort of color scheme of the diviner.
0: Oh, right. That's true. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm
4: interested to see where that's going to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably next week to get the ship back.
4: Oh, clear. Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> Sorry. I actually chuckled when they had the dramatic mode. Everybody was kind of looking at doll and then he stops and he all of a sudden he goes, go fast.
3: Yeah, because <laughs> that's oh, becoming a yeah. thing with the shows now. Oh no, that's Everybody great. Needs that, a
2: thing.
1: Yeah. yeah,
3: that's my new catchphrase.
2: <laughs> go fast! I love it. Everybody's trying to do a make it so, and I kind of love that little theme being worked through some of the things. Yeah, engage or make it so. Right. You're just
0: ruined <laughs> by ending.
4: <laughs> she actually <laughs> prepared the closing. Uh, that was.
0: It. I oh, had no. plan this time. I had a plan.
4: No, no, no. He's setting it up and giving you there a you moment go. of continuity. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I was, you know, I think that the big
1: protostar moment when they engaged the proto drive would be yeah. more effective if it wasn't in the trailer, out of the credits every week. Exactly. It was beautiful. I, it was beautiful. Exactly. I think that would have been great if that was the first time you saw it. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, Keith, it was the first time you saw it. What did you think?
3: <laughs> I <was right>.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, I skipped the trailers. So. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that, though, because it was really kind of breathtaking. It was, yeah, it, it really was, is. Dude. It was really beautiful. And I noticed that when they went to warp, they were doing 9.97. So that ship yep. is really booking. Yeah. And then they hit the protostar, which right. I guess is close to like what was it in Voyager? The quantum slip. Was that quantum slip stream? Well, yeah. Voyager?
1: But when they hit um trans warp, it was warp 10. That was the impossible speed. Right.
4: Yeah. It goes Ugh. flat. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So it reminds me like a couple of the technologies the Voyager came across. Cause I remember the, um, why am I blanking little race? Cause I love that episode. What's the race of the dinosaurs on earth that were super the advanced.
3: The Voth. The
2: Voth. Yeah. They had a ship that was incredibly yeah. fast. could travel dozens of not hundreds of light years in a few minutes. And so yeah. this, this protostar technology is fascinating. And I would love to see if Starfleet has the protostar technology. Cause they still don't have the discovery score yeah. drum. And they've been a bit vague about that. And they, the the last time they proto jumped and then Jenkins pog
1: was like we were going warp 9.99 oh i'm gonna throw up Our (laughs) pog's gonna be sick um (laughs) so they they but they at least they they know but you know it doesn't matter what what how many nines there are in it you know (laughs) they're they're going real fast (laughs) real
4: fast one more nine won't make that much difference (laughs) right (laughs) i thought all the the all of the shit porn this week was really really nice yeah Uh, not only the you know going into ludicrous speed but everything about the ship coming back to tarslamore yeah. and it and it being tractored in and then yeah. it maneuvering around and landing and all that kind of stuff i thought was so nice oh yeah it, but you you all know how much i love ship porn so and the know. gentle landing looks better than the crash landing so it's not
1: <laughs> a skid Definitely. that's not what it's right. you know but it, it still has that sort of awkward struts like voyager had where you
4: feel like it should yeah. take forward where mm-hmm. there's no way that that ship yeah. could stay up. If-
1: yeah. yeah, the engineering must be really heavy, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and I am uh, still a little annoyed that the proto star is so small that it. Not only yeah. is it the size of that proto engine, but now it fits inside a Murph, inside a Zero. It's great small, small. Right, right.
2: Is it literally just the star, or was that more of the engine components? That I they think they out? just
1: took the star out and put it in Zero. I mean, Murph, well, both.
2: I think Murph, <laughs> both. I think
0: they told Murph to eat it. Yeah. Murph came back out and they put Murph in zero. <laughs>
1: that's actually a right. really good theory. I think yeah, that's that's what you're it probably, is. probably right about that.
3: Oh, I don't yeah. think they put Murph in zero. I think they just they recreated it was a zero. Replicate zero Replicated Zero's suit. Right, right. That's, right.
4: that's right. true. Right. right. You're right about that. That's that. what I meant. The yes. magic 3D printer. Yeah.
2: I thought it was interesting because Zero made a comment about the joke was uh, you know, that he made a comment about, oh, is that joke point at the fact that basically zero is terrified if anybody sees him in his form or mm-hmm. their form because well, Zero knows what will happen if <laughs> anybody sees Zero's real form. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: uh, Vandy Beth, where can people find more of you?
3: Uh, I tweet at uh, Red Velvet Cakes on Twitter. I guess that's the only place I could tweet. Um, <laughs> and on, uh, I'm on Facebook at Vandy Beth Glenn. And... Um, the only interesting thing I'm doing, really, doing there is um, I've been reviewing the uh, Billboard Hot 100 top 10 lists uh, from 1970 through uh, the current decade. I'm doing is the first decade of this century, um, and I I, I re- reprint the list from each week of of that decade, and I include I include uh, links to the, the YouTube. The YouTube recordings of those songs. Wow. And and what
4: what year are you up to now?
3: 2003.
4: Three. Mm. Seven years to go, because you're not going to do the 2010s, are
3: you? I will definitely not do the the, the following decade. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
4: this has been quite an undertaking. When you did the entire 70s, I was like, oh, this would be so fun to do the 80s. And you said, no, I'm not going to do the 80s. And then a couple of weeks later, you launched in the 80s. So this been a, it's been so much fun to follow.
3: I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it too.
2: Fandy, was there a was there a song that you were um maybe surprised about that, that you liked from the old days? Maybe you didn't, something you didn't pay much attention to? Or maybe have you even heard of because you're talking all the way back in the 70s? Um I would
3: say the 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 biggest the biggest thing i i wouldn't call it a surprise but it was just something i didn't know before before i re i, I went through the 70s top tens was uh uh marilyn McCoo. i didn't i hadn't known she was a member of the fifth dimension oh, uh, and yeah. and i had I just hadn't realized how beautiful her voice is she has yeah. a, a, such a such a beautiful voice hmm. um and that that has been um that that was one thing that that was a really nice surprise from, that I got out of the '70s rewatch, uh, Disc, you, disco was as bad as I remembered it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen the, the
4: documentary Summer of Soul, then definitely. I was just it. gonna say that. Right? <laughs> Have you
3: seen it? I haven't, but it's oh my it. gosh! It's on my stuff it. in Hulu. Um,
4: um, I was gonna ask you this after we finished recording, but. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr., they are on the show, and they performed with Fifth Dimension at Summer of Soul, and mm-hmm. uh, Questlove sits them down, and they watch their footage from 50 years ago for the first time. They've never seen it before, and it is amazing. It yes. sounds amazing. Their reaction to seeing themselves. Yes. Oh, it's so wow. wonderful.
3: Okay, cool. All
4: right, well, Alan, where can people find more of you? okay well i have a little publishing company called cosmic press and you can find that at cosmicpress.com and cosmic press at facebook and twitter and other places and you can find my other podcast modern musicology at uh, podbean and at spotify and at all the other podcasty places and how about you keith uh you can find
2: me on instagram and on the esl facebook groups and how
1: about us veronica
0: Feltnerdy.com.
1: Yep. And if you happen to be in the Atlanta area on February the 12th, you can see us in person at the Valentine Puck and Puppet Show at the Village Theater at 10 p.m. That's the Village Theater, February 12th. Somebody come because it's, it's, a, it's a competitive puppet slam where people vote. Now, last wow. time we got second place, so
4: if maybe if someone showed up and vote for us, we'd get the first place. So very nice. Awesome. (laughs) And folks should also be reminded that they can go visit our YouTube page. That's true. Which has got lots of great content on it and new stuff coming out on a very regular basis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And subscribe and like,
0: yeah. Subscribe
4: and like, yeah. Click that little bell, whatever that means. (laughs) People say that all the time. (laughs) Leave a comment below. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that on YouTube. (laughs) All right, Brock, you have a
1: closing for us this week?
0: Yes. Ready? Go fast.
1: Hey, good job. Yay! There we go. right. All right. <laughs> I did it anyway. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com.